0: Hi, folks, and thanks for listening to this Tortoise Shack podcast. A little bit of housekeeping before we kick off. Obviously, I'm going to ask you to chip in and help keep these podcasts free and available to everyone. How you do that is you click the link at the top of the podcast. It says patreon.com forward slash tortoise shack. It's not a one-way street. You get a ton of additional content, all of our podcasts in one consolidated feed, entirely plea-free. And you'll be getting those Patreon exclusives where we sit down and have a conversation about some of the things that we kind of feel that we can't sort of say outside of the paywall. So if you want to hear more from the likes of Sam, Gareth, and myself, so please take the 30 seconds it'll take you to help us carve out that little bit of space we need to be able to have the conversations like the one you're about to listen to. Thanks so much for your support. Enjoy the podcast.
1: Hello and welcome to Shrapnel Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Sam McElwain. And as always, I'm joined by my able-bodied boy, Gareth. How are you doing tonight, Gareth? Uh, not too bad, Sam. Thanks for calling me able-bodied. Well, Compliment. you're more able-bodied than I am at the minute. I'm still hopping about with this boot on, so we'll, we'll give you that one.
0: Yeah, well, we'll have to struggle on.
1: <laughs> well, tonight, tonight's one for me is a fun one, believe it or not. Um, who we have on here is... Billy Hudson, He's the former leader of the Progressive Unionist Party. He's an ex MLA. He's a former Belfast City Councillor. And he's still a community worker and has been for many years. And that's how I first sort of came along, met Billy, was the work that he was doing in Springfield in their community development project at that point. And I'll, I'll put on record now in case everybody thinks we'll have anything to hide. I have known Billy from when I was about 16, so 30 odd years, and we've been friends for that time. So just in case anybody's out there thinking we're going to give Billy an easy ride. Because of it, we're not. We're going to ask the questions that need to be asked. Billy, how are you doing? I'm doing great.
2: Home, good. How yeah, well, how I'm doing great. Good. Yeah, I'm enjoying Billy? life. Can't yeah. ask for any more, is Enjoying life.
0: Good yeah. stuff. I think it's been all of, what, four or five days since I last saw you, Billy? So yes, guys. Like
2: so you London know I'm enjoying I me and you had a chat, you know, I'm enjoying life.
0: That's good. Well, I'm glad to hear it. At least I have a positive effect on one person in the world anyway?
1: I suppose, Billy, what we're going to kick off with is probably um, what's happening at the moment. Um, I have listened to you speak many times on what Brexit was, what the winter framework was, and what the protocol and everything else around it is. But for those who are playing catch-up with this, you've always maintained from the start it was a trade agreement, and it's went beyond that. And now we're in a situation where the constitutional position of Northern Ireland is being challenged. How how do you see this panning out in the near future?
2: Well, I, mean, I don't think it's going to uh, pan out in our favour because I believe that the Tories, uh, they're not Englanders and they're interested in anywhere else, just attacking their own, uh, I suppose, what they want. And I don't see it. I mean, I can't see uh, the MPs at Westminster getting anything out of this, so I just think it. You know, the Prime Minister's going nowhere with it. And um, I think we've got what we're going to get and that'll be it. And that's, that's the way it is. But it depends on whether the politicians want to accept it and go back in the assembly or not. But at the moment, I don't see a Tory giving in. I think it's Tories have uh, done their deal uh, and they're, they're happy enough with it. They're sounding. Um, they did interfere with, um, you know, the principle of consent in terms of Northern Ireland Act. You know, they also uh, have done a number of other things, which I'll not go over because everybody knows what they were. Uh, so from my point of view, I don't see a way back from any of that. But, you know, people are angry, and it's rather people accept it. Um, and and put pressure on the politicians not to go back in, I would think, because they know what the feeling is in different areas. So from my point of view, uh, I can't see where it goes, Sam, um, uh, in terms of just unionism as a whole. Unless I have the Unionist Convention that our, our, my party called for in uh, 2018. It's going nowhere. You know, and it's the same in the practice stuff. No matter when I talk to the people, they're going, what's the point? There's no point in voting because we're not even sold out. There's no point in arguing about Brexit because we're not going to get anything out of it. Uh, I think that's just where people are at in the union's But, you know, it's a shame. Because I think it's uh, there needs to be more positivity around and people need to be certain what it is that they're going to achieve or what, what they want to achieve. And if they don't do that, I mean, I think if people just feel that they've been let down more than once. So for me, I don't think Brexit will be changed. We'll get very little uh, and people just have to get on with it because uh, the British government aren't going to change it. And when when
0: you, when you talk about unionist convention there, and that, that's something you've called for for a few years now, in, in recent weeks, um, other parties have been talking about unionist unity and the need for it, so what? how do you feel, is it good that political parties have caught up with your thinking, or do you feel a wee bit annoyed given that you're outside the political sphere yourself now, that people are basically saying what you've been saying for many a year?
2: There, it I wouldn't be the first time we stole our close, or stole our party close, and they will do it again. But if it gets what we need to get, then that's okay. But I don't think um, that Russell will allow that to happen. I think Russell will make sure that they, everybody knows. Like I don't, I don't, think there's a journalist about that doesn't know that it was our idea. I don't think that uh, you know people on social media doesn't know it was our idea because you know I get so many messages saying where are we with this. And I can't answer them because I don't know where we are. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, for me, it's the only way forward if they all don't get together and talk with one voice. But I don't see how that happens. Um, and that's my problem with the moment. I mean, you know, they will not agree to this. It's not what they Big Big wants something totally different. Um, and it's different politics from any other unionist in a sense that I don't see it as unionism. Uh, and other people will be the same. So from that point of view, I want them all to get around the table. I want them all to agree how we go forward. I want them to actually, um, you know, thrice this out uh, and give leadership. But, you know, unless um, we can find a figure that would actually be the person who would actually facilitate it, um, it would be hard to find that figure. Because trying to get political parties to agree to figure, you know, because, you know, everybody's, you know what, everybody here is all tied together in some way and everybody doesn't like people because they said something at one stage and, you know, they don't like a paper an academic wrote and all that sort of stuff. But it's how we get there and we can find that person who will actually pull this together and facilitate it. Then I think it can be a success. But I'm not sure that person exists. Or I do believe that person exists, sorry, but. I don't think that the other parties will buy into that person.
1: Billy, well, you're talking about um, unionist unity, and I think one of the things that I can see from the outside is the unity within their own parties at the minute isn't there either. I think I think both leaders are, are, are sort of trying to pull different sections of their own parties together, and until they get that sorted, talking to outside parties is going to be null and void, really.
2: Well, I, I agree with you 100%, i You're 100% right. But you know, uh, when all these people go and learn this isn't about, you know, the party, it's about, you know, the country, and, uh, you know, like, I don't know any crossroads we've had in this country, but there's quite a few of them. I'm not talking about ones out in the street, I'm talking about in politics, political crossroads, and uh, they need to get together and sort this. Now, my view is, you know, if parties are split over this, and they're split, and I can understand the leaders can't really do much about it, you know, they need to try. Uh, unionism's calling out for this sort of leadership. is calling out. And this isn't about, you know, <coughs> unionist unity as one party or anything like that. This is about how do we work together? Uh, and, you know, how do we bring all of those skills that are uh, that are in loyalism and unionism together uh, and just sing off the one hemisphere and in a sense that you know, this is about the constitutional position. It's about how do we get to the position where we need to be doing the right things? Um, and it's also about, you know, what do we do about the British government um, in relation to Brexit and other things? Like, you know, I heard, a, I heard a the Secretary of State saying the other that he agrees that there's English firms that didn't want to come here. Um, it was as simple as that. You know, so they need to be doing something about that. I mean, at the time, Whenever Boris was talking about all of this, I said, well, the first, you know, we made this public, we said, the first thing the Prime Minister used to do is to actually show what he's going to do in there now. You know, but he didn't do it. He didn't, he didn't get English companies to set up here to go to Europe. Didn't do that. It never happened. You know, and this, these were the promises that he was telling everybody. You know, we've seen how much they were going to save a week on the National Health Service. We've never seen it. You know, and it's that sort of stuff. We need people to be real. And I think, you know, the Tories are full of these people who don't really give a damn. You know, they might say that, that you know, they're Conservative Unionist Party, but they don't give a damn. But the Union, mean and changed. I mean, you know, there's a big North South debate in England, never mind anywhere else. You know, and those sorts of things, you know, even though the poverty is, is probably higher here than it is elsewhere. But It'll quickly get there in terms of the north of England. Uh, and, you know, so from that point of view, you know, they need to sort that out as well. But all of those things could be sorted out and they would just sit down and listen to people and try to actually do something about it. Are the Tories are better than I don't think so. Because, you know, it would probably go against their policies to do this sort of thing, you know, to get people out of what, poverty. And we thought about food poverty and, 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 Field poverty. But you know, the same people are in in both of those. It's not like, you know, that you get field poverty, you get food poverty. They're in both. You know, and the point about it is poverty is poverty. And you can split it up into Saxons all you want. You can aim at a pastor and say these pastors are you know, you can aim at his families, you can do whatever you want, but poverty is poverty, and that affects those people that don't have the word. With them. And that's the problem. And the problem is like, you know. If they don't recognize that, then how do we move forward? Now, some people might be saying, you know, well, why are we talking about this? And we're talking about it because, you know, people are living in poverty. And, you know, my G is, you know, does people not realize that people living in poverty are unionists or loyalists? And this is a difficulty. This is a question about people, you know, but they don't recognize this. It. It's the same with, you know, people who are gay, you know, all these criticisms of gay people. What about those people who are unionists? You know, like, nobody can tell me that uh, there are no uh, people from the gay community that are, don't live in a unionist community or their family weren't unions or whatever. And the other thing is, that's thought about abortion. You know, we're being told that a woman has to carry you know fetal of the, the malady about when the head comes off the body, that she has to carry it about for nine months. And people are unionists. Like, it's not just niceness, you know, who end up with this. It's not just niceness who end up in poverty. It's unions. And we need to remember that. And I think that, you know, there's a lack of understanding, you know, that if we continually ignore these things. Now, I'm not asking the awesome DEP or anybody else to do it, because there are religious beliefs. If you're a, you've are a, you got the religious beliefs, you, you know, you won't go with it. But there needs to be a discussion about it. It's about how do we help people? You know, this isn't. You know, the whole thing about abortion. People, I've heard people saying, particularly young people here, sort of be Christian, um, and then the D.P. will turn around and say, "Oh, this is just, uh, this is just done like an after, uh, you know, an after morning pill or whatever." You know, it's not. I mean, we cannot. We have to take this serious. This is not just about because you've sexed a night before that you're entitled to an abortion. I mean, people, you know. Know what they're doing. You know, you know, like everyone have sex, you know, chances are you can get somebody pregnant or whatever. And that's the responsibility of people who are adults, you know, to actually make those decisions. But, you know, we get all this nonsense. And for me, I'm a unionist and, you know, having worked in the council and being an MLA, I've seen people who are living in poverty, people who, you know, are in a bad way because they can't get it you know, can't have an abortion or whatever, or they're not recognised because they're gay, and this is something which is ungodly. It may be ungodly, but the problem is, you know, these things need to be done. And so, um, I don't get this about being ungodly. You know, God, s- or sorry, Jesus, the hardest sound at his feet. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, his problem in his day wasn't about uh, you know, drug dealers, it was about the text, text mail. <laughs> you know, oh, you I just don't get this. You know, People don't want to do that. But anyway, getting back to what we're talking about, the politics needs to be resolved and that's why you can't tell one party because we never get agreement around one party in terms of policy. And I have no problem with those other policies existing. Uh, as long as we have somebody who is actually saying, well, what about this and what about that? You know what I mean? There needs to be a resume. Un- unionism needs to have that broad sort of base where It is on the right, but
0: it's on the left as well. Is that one of of the problems, Billy? Has unionism got an image problem? When you think about contemporary British identity, which is multifaceted in in itself, which is one of the strengths of Britishness, unionism maybe in Northern Ireland hasn't been good at keeping up with the refashioning of British identity and civic society. And what you're talking about there about the sort of place of religion in politics in Northern Ireland, we're we're supposed to be living in a broadly secular society, so unionism maybe has been held back by that sort of look into the past and the religious dogma. Is there is, is there an image problem at, fundamentally at the r- root of unionism?
2: And that well, there, there's a problem. Well, it's an, em- a, an image problem <coughs> or whether it's um, you know. Um, Digging your heels in, you know, and having that dogma against all of those things. I just think that, you know, if you have a party and it's so will one say to it, then you're in trouble. Um, I think unionism doesn't sell itself that well. I mean, you know, I have to say, like, I know quite a lot of people, um, quite a lot of areas in England that would be very loyalist and unionist. And they've never met them. They wouldn't know where they were. You know, the, the MPs in Westminster don't need a place to go. Well, they probably do. We've heard about how many uh, super junctions have been taken out. So they do do something. Like, but anyway, the point of it this is that, you know, we need to actually work together to do this stuff. And, you know, we all need to work together. Um, and from my point of view, you know, we need to be realistic about it. That unless we have some sort of unionism which reaches out to everybody, and um, which is uh, can be in many ways um, seen throughout England. You know, then people in England will, you know, just get fed up. And I think I've always been concerned that if we don't sell ourselves in England, then most people don't know the story because the media don't give them the story about unionism. You know, the media gives them the story about conflict. Um, and you know, make excuses for the conflict, you know. And uh, you know, Republicans are very good at this victimhood, like you know what I mean. And that's the difficulty. And I think we need a narrative that actually tells all of this. But you know, so what I'm saying is we need to get on with it and we need changes. And if we sit back any longer, it's not going to happen. I mean, unionism is important. and I'm the a unionist. that's important. But unless the larger parties decide you know, that they want to see um, a strategy around how we all work together and how we make it broad-based, then it won't work. But, you know, some made a good point to start there. Right off there, you know, in relation to where the parties are. And uh, so, you know, they're divided. It's very difficult for, you know, the leaders to actually make a decision. Because if you got somebody standing behind you saying, no, we don't agree with that, we we'll i not vote for this, and they don't, in some sort of private vote, then they're in trouble. So, you know, maybe there's better work needs to be done within each of the parties, for in all the parties to recognise that, you know, the only way forward is to have a latest front. And in doing that, then people need to settle their differences internally and between all the parties.
1: But like, I'm just going to rewind a wee bit back there. You were talking about if parties don't have uh, sort of different parts to it that they fall apart. I'm going to look at loyalism and think, say, ask you, have we lost our left leaning tendencies? Have we went too far to the right? Uh, and have we lost those bread and butter issues that we always talk about, that we always sort of go back to um, within Mitchell principles and stuff of loyalism? We seem to have left our left our left-sided roots as such, and move to the right too far. Would you agree with that?
2: No, not not necessarily, so I know what you're talking about, but I think that you know the difficulty with all of this is that people can't jump the right because of what the British government does. But you know, like so, for instance, you know, um we work with people who come in off the street, and those people. Aren't even registered to vote. We don't ask them that, but we know they're not registered to vote. They have no interest in politics. Um, but when they come in, you know, they come in for different reasons, you know. But there are usually issues that we need to sort out. Most of them is always about housing, because that's what you get most. Um, and the other things about, you know, they can't afford to put bread on the table, which is a serious thing. Uh, and some of those is because they're on their own benefits, or because they can't. Manage money, and I don't mean that in their wrong way. They just they just don't budget properly. Um, and, you know, it's like everything else. Like, you know, if, if your chair needs a pair of shoes, you're going to get them. You know what I mean? Shoes will come for uh, you know, food, because that's what they need to do. Um, and, you know, but I think that that's the issue for us, you know. Um, but it, we are seen to be jumping there, right? Because we, uh, probably because we are unionists and because we disagree, um, with what the British government's doing. Um, and it's okay to disagree with what the British government does. I mean, there's quite a lot of people in England do it as well. And we've seen it in by elections. We see it all the time in a by election. You know, there's by elections in England. The Tories are doing badly in terms of government and never get elected. Labour's in government and they're doing badly. And then the Tories get in. And it's always been like that. You know, it hasn't changed. I mean, anybody who teaches politics, you know, if they were teaching politics in the nineteen fifties, they'll tell you. If they were doing it in the sixties, they'll tell you. In the seventies or eighties, they'll tell you. And that's just the way it is, some, you know. <clears throat> but people like the people get angry and they jump there right, or people don't see what's going on in the left in terms of looking after people who can't uh, afford to eat or heat their houses. Uh, but not everybody sees that. Because not something that you, you want to put up on a screen, you know, uh, and say, oh, there's so many. But there is. Well, and poverty's getting worse. I mean, and uh, I know it's getting worse because, you know, um, in terms of, um, I suppose, apart apartment for communities, net and left with what's called neighbourhoods of you. Know, uh, and, you know, it's all over the place. They can see that the poverty is there and, you know, uh, how, how it works. They will look to say, oh, this failed because we put all this money in. It failed because the other departments didn't put the money in. They walked away from it. And this is a politics that needs to be dealt with. You know, these other departments should be told, you know, we're doing your work for you, so you'll pay for it. You know. Health now is a big thing in relation to poverty. You know, in terms of it's probably more now than it was years ago in terms of the level of bad health that actually ends up putting people into poverty. You know, but the health department doesn't give a penny towards this. They go off and set up your own groups, like community health workers. That's the community that's the community of health workers do. You, know, you don't separate it out. It's all one thing. And this is where we're getting to at the minute. And I think what will happen is the Assembly will get frustrated with all of this and they make the decisions, but they'll make them up for the wrong reasons. Now, in fairness, I have to say, the Department for Communities have stuck by the neighbourhood stuff and they've funded it. But there is a review into it, <clears throat> and we'll see how it goes. Well, if it wasn't there, poverty would be a hell of a lot worse than doing there.
0: So do you think, Billy, just, i have got two questions here on, on that. Do you think in terms of Northern Ireland, if we do have a fun- functioning executive, there needs to be more interconnection between departments on issues like poverty and mental health and, and the things that affect people's day-to-day la- lives rather than, you know, DFC looking at it from one, one angle, health looking at it from another angle? They should get together and start working groups that sort of tackle these concerns at the root cause? Well,
2: that, yeah, exactly. And this is a point to make and you know, Poverty is not just made up of people who are unemployed. You know, it's made up of people who've got bad health, and, you know, and a lot of other things. So the whole thing needs to be integrated. You can't just tackle one, you need to tackle it all, unless the partners actually decide uh, that they're going to do that together or that they're going to give some of their funds to DFC. They actually do the neighborhood renewal work and work on health and poverty and all the rest of it. And that's how it can be done, um, you know. They're not, these people know what needs to be done, but it's a question of the departments where they want to do it. Um, and I understand if, if you're running an apartment, you know, you're praising that department and you want to achieve. But you know, we can achieve together. Uh, and I think that needs to come from the very top. You know, you can't leave it up uh, to each apartments. But you know, what I'm saying is that it can be done, but it can only be done in an integrated way. You no, know, you can't have silos. You know, we keep trying to make political silos and all the rest of it. And we have the assembly. And we just need to make sure that we don't have political silos in each of those departments. Um, now some make it might be relevant, but some some of the departments, and that's fair enough. But those that it's relevant to, then we need to look at it.
0: But something like, I mean, so, something like, po- and I do have another question leading on from what Sam mentioned originally, but I think, you know, poverty, for example, particularly in in, in this sort of cost of living or cost of surviving crisis that we're in at the moment, it, every department, I can't think of a department that doesn't have some sort of input because ultimately poverty is affecting every angle of society, whether it be communities, education, finance, you know, agriculture, environment, everything. So,
2: I know she so, didn't mention justice there.
0: Justice? Well, no, ju- fundamentally, you're you're right, yeah, because justice, I mean, ultimately, justice is going to be a department, I'm thinking off the top of my head here, that's going to be stretched more than it has been because of the cost of living crisis, because more people are going to have to turn to crime to survive, basically. So when... I'm I'm talking about, you know, um, sort of hypothetical here because we don't have a functioning executive, but if we did and if we do in in the short term, we need more of a joined up approach to these sort of issues because I'm thinking also the work you're doing on Mount Vernon. I'm sure there's occasions where you get sick having to do applications for one department rather than getting an application in that would cut across a lot of different departments in terms of one issue that you're trying to resolve down in Mount Vernon?
2: Well, you know, we do a lot of renewal work, which actually helps us not get into that mess. Mm-hmm. Um, so from that point of view, I think it, you know, the system does work. Um, but it's about how do you increase it in terms of tackling all the other things and all the other departments have, like, you know, the point about it is, you know, the health department, you know, those issues exist, uh, and like, for instance, I remember a number of years ago, we tried to do uh, stuff around us. They actually showed them what was going on, uh, and we asked him how much it cost, for um, Mount Vernon in terms of going to A&E. And they came back and told him it was eight hundred thousand a year. And I go, but why does that happen? You, know, you, know, the doctors shut at five o'clock. Where do you go if you take an asthma attack or um, if you take a heart attack? You know, where do you go? The hospital? And that's why A&E is overrun now of being here. there. are saying it was in England. They were talking about people turning up at A&E, thousands of them with sore throats. Which, I mean, I'm not sure that's where you should be, in A&E. You know, there needs to be more community That's for this to happen when you don't have to go where you know. Like I can only tell about the meter when I was a kid. Because if you were out messing about in the street and you got cut or whatever, when you went to the meter, the meter had soon out. You know, when you were in the meter, you go where, you go where and you go where. So bricks and fractures went that way, uh, cuts and anything else went the other way and they had it all split up. I mean, and like so where's it different now? I mean, people still the same. You know, in, in the sense that people get injured, you know, um, and we don't have heavy heavy industry any longer, heavy engineering, but, I mean, get, but we don't have as much as we had in the 60s, you know. Uh, so therefore, there's bound to be more accidents at work, you know, whenever you're doing heavy engineering and all those sorts of jobs. But, you know, it's just, it's a nonsense. All we have in the hospitals now, you know, is people, you know, who administrate. And they don't manage. You know, I can remember, you know, as a child going going to the royal for a visit, visit with my mother, and you know, when you went in, the whole place, you know, uh, was staying, train and you know, and you had all these maintenance and all who run the wards. They they said what happened, they didn't happen on the wards, and they were the people who were making sure diseases didn't happen. You know. And still, so with all now, it's very, very difficult. I know we've had COVID, and that's been very difficult, and lots of people have suffered, and hospitals are getting COVID and stuff like that, um, and you know, SARS and all these things seem to be all here. But still, with all in the 60s, it didn't seem to be there. Maybe I'm wrong, but you know, the health service needs a hand, but they need to know how to manage it, and um, it isn't managed properly, Um and that's because
0: two million people are in there as admin rather than managers. Well, I think um, ju- just coming around to, back to what Sam was originally saying about, about the sort of left wing ideas and getting back to that sort of left wing ideology. This is a question for you, Billy, uh, but it's a question for Sam as well. I think you can both address it. One of the things, particularly when people listen to Shrapnel and hear Sam talking about um, his background and his political beliefs you know, being a loyalist and a socialist. A lot of people um, ask me how those two ideologies can be reconciled. The the feel that it's enigmatic to put the two together. And I know both of you are very firmly committed to the idea of being loyalist socialists and and of the left wing. So can you both talk a wee bit about that and how that developed and how you reconcile what other people might think are two diametrically opposed political ideologies?
2: Well, I mean, look, listen, you know, my view is that people think that, uh, the provisional IRA were socialists and they say Champagne or Where's the evidence? I mean, you know, they claim to be Republicans and they talk about the United Irishmen, you know, but what they've done during the Troubles certainly wasn't, wasn't anything like that. And their politics isn't like that. You know, it's definitely Republican politics. It's not, um, you know, Everybody does right and left wing stuff, whether I like it or not. For a simple reason, you know, if you help somebody in a community who's living in poverty or you help somebody in the community who is in a low paid job, I mean, there are sorts of things that you do, uh, because you need to do it. You need to help the people. So, like, is that not left wing or is that not socialism? You know what I mean? It's, it's just question that people, um, I suppose in many ways, Northern Ireland, because you can't be a this with Socialists. You know, but I went to Vauxhall in January '95, and then like, people told me I wasn't British. And I went, well, I was born in Northern Ireland, part of the UK, I'm not British. Yeah. Like, and this is a problem in this place. You know, uh, <coughs> they were saying they were Irish, and I'm saying, hi, Irish. And they go, we live in Ireland. And he says, but you live in the uh, part of Ireland, which is, which is British. So what are you talking about? You have no problem with people being Irish. Because, you know, Northern Ireland is Northern Ireland. And you can be Irish if you want to be. But people just don't want you to be on the left. Um, because they don't want you competing in their space. Um, so from that point of view, politics plays itself out in the way that the politicians do it. So, if I'm saying, you know, that that I want to do something about um, poverty, you know, then I'm not on the right. I'm on the left. But I don't care as long as I get to doing what I want to do in terms of that work. And, you know, so from my point of view, you know, I don't really care about whether they think that I'm on the left or not. Your work that you do will show you while you're on, while you're on left or right. So, you know, there are lots of people out there. Um, I don't think the Green, Green Party would describe themselves, you know, being on the left, but to do that type of work, they work with people, you know what I mean? Um, and so do the rest, but the point of where it is, um, they don't want us to be defined as being on the left because it doesn't say they're an there are narrative is but we're in the, end those, the, end of, the end of those, with our nipples trailing the ground. That's what they want. And uh, that's not the narrative. If you look at the narrative, within loyalism, you can see there's been a lot of progression and progressiveness in it as well, in terms of where they want to go.
1: Yeah, I think if I was the answer to that question that Gareth posed there, and you're saying, Billy, there people will say that we can't be loyalists and socialists. I would say you can't be loyalist without being a socialist. Um, the way socialism was explained to me when I was studying it was you give what you can and you take what you need. So you don't allow for greed and you support the community first. And that's the way I've seen growing up in the Shankle. As a, as a community, we, we sort of... I know people say yell mucked and everybody looks at it through the rose tinted glasses of what the communities used to be, but it was like that. We, we we stuck together as a community. And that's the way I see my socialism. I believe that there's enough out there for everybody to get a fair share and for people not to have to live in poverty and for not to have to make decisions about whether they hate or eat this winter. There's enough there's enough out there that everybody if, if they got a fair shake of it, wouldn't be in this situation. And a more equitable world is is what we need to be aiming for.
2: I agree with you. Some we see examples of that all the time in lowest communities where people will help other people. You know, if people need food to put food on their table if they can afford
1: to do it. Yeah. we, we talked yeah. to Moore the other week there and he brought up a situation where one of the local community workers was out delivering food during COVID. You I mean you know and I know at that, that point when COVID kicked off, that's the first thing that went through everybody's mind. How are we going to support those that are gonna struggle the most during this epidemic? And you had meetings in the Spectrum Centre in the Shankill and you had different community groups pulling and finding funding and finding sort of the means to start making food parcels up and hot food deliveries. And I know that my mother benefited from it as well. There was food being delivered to her for lunches and stuff. The community pulled together. That that didn't happen from the top down. That happened from the bottom up.
2: No, uh, you're 100%, right? And there's lots of uh, people in both communities who will work together to make sure things happen. and. They will help each other out. You know, if they they know that somebody from say say somebody from North Belfast goes to the Action Centre and they can't do it, then they'll send them. They'll send us word. Can you help them out? And you know, we'll do it. That's that's what we do. Um, And for me, it'd be disgusting if we weren't helping people out who live in poverty. You know, it'd just be disgusting. And that's why you know we have not that we have to do, it, but we must do it because uh, it is a must that we do it because we can't allow these people to live like this. And uh, you know, education on achievement is another measure of poverty, and it's very high in, in Protestant schools and Protestant communities. Uh, and it's how we actually resolve that, and we haven't got a resolution to you know. Um, so, from that point of view. You know, we were told by people on the left, so-called people on the left, that we were going to do R11 plus because it was only a logic test. We'll do away with it and we make this uh, far better. And it hasn't made any difference in the parcel community. You know, and that's the difficulty. And I don't think it's made any difficult uh, in the travelling community either. And there's the two communities that should have been making a difference in. But people who are saying this didn't do what they're supposed to do, you know. They may have said it's not called the eleven plus now, but it was the same thing. It's selection at eleven. Selection at eleven doesn't work.
1: And 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 you have to opt into it. You have to pay for it. And those that can afford a tutor or extra sort of teaching for their children excel at it better. So again, those who live in the communities that we come from who can't afford to pay for tutors and the extra tuition struggle even more.
2: Yeah, and that that's correct, some, I and that that is the whole point about this is you know, it's not equal. It's not equal. Like with farmer schools, you know, and all these young people are going to it and come out and they're gonna be the future leaders in this country. But, you know, the reality is, um that that's okay. But you know, it should you know the difficulty is that we don't have money getting into the state schools, it needs to go in they actually even try to get 2% of those people to grammar school, or they even have that level of education. Now, you know, grammar schools can exist, but my view is let people pay for it, if that's what they want to do, because it seems to be the wealthy going in anyway. I know that everybody that went to grammar school was wealthy, I know that, I get that. But the point I'm making to you is that, you know, it's, for me, this is about creating an an elitist, elitism within the... uh, Education system. We don't need to have five or six different education things. You know, we need to have one, and the one rules them all. You know, why do we have Catholic maintained schools and state schools? You know, I don't get it. You know, we should be looking at how we do something about integrated schools and getting people to work together. Like people will tell tell me, oh, this is about parental choice. And we were introduced that and everything. There'd be a lot of mistakes, made. You know what I mean? Because just because you give give somebody crap and choice doesn't mean to say it to make the right right thing. So from our point of view, we to give people an opportunity to make the right decision, and we don't do it. You know.
0: When you said about one rule them all, there I thought you were going to start talking about Lord of the Rings, Billy. But um, thankfully, you didn't go off on a tangent there. But, um, no,
2: I didn't want to talk about Lord of the Rings because I don't want to people maybe <laughs> do what it is. But anyway.
0: We'll no, do you like, I, I, I like that we re- like that we reference um no because I know t- thinking about education you've always been an advocate for sort of a root and branch uh change you know from the early years really particularly in the community you've represented politically can you can you talk a little bit about that and and how important you think early years and sort of taking the focus away from academic achievement early on is important
2: well, I mean, the difficulty was, we were, when we were, when I was young and in primary school, you know, the reality was that there was lots of jobs out there, right? Uh, people told us a process, the process of people, but you know, process live in poverty, process didn't always get good jobs. Um, you know, so as you know, that always happens to a certain amount of people, but it doesn't happen to everybody. My view was like, um, when I was first year in Bullock and Martin School, people were going to university from Bullock and Martin. Men, you know, they make all these changes. 90,000 people lived in the shackle. The Australian used to say that um, on the cusp of a world recession, that they were going to bring in more investment then. So they moved all these people with those skills out and left behind the people on the shackle, My family and my mother, because we had no skills, we were left behind. Uh, and all of those people who moved out ended up being stuck in ghettos all around the country because um they couldn't they couldn't get jobs because the jobs weren't there. But anyway, if we look at the shackle, you know, the population went from eighty thousand down to twenty-six. I would say to you that you know, probably um how that say seventy thousand that moved. You know, probably 20,000 men moved because of trouble. You know, left the shackle for the trouble. The rest didn't. You know, you are scattered all over the place. I mean, this, this plan that Dulce Innes was it would be no houses in the shackle up the Tennis Street and be just a motorway. This was a positive step for Protestant people. You know, and the point that I'm making here is that they have changed all of that now. And in my view, and I don't support social engineering, But in my view, we really want to get the shankle back the way it was when people were going to to, uh, secondary schools in the shankle, doing their A-levels and going to Queen's and getting degrees or any other university. (coughs) You know, that's what we need to get back to. And I know that uh, others are working on early years and doing all that. That's all great work. That's all that needs to be done. You know, we need to create a value in education. Um, (coughs) And we do. Um... And that, that's the whole thing that needs to be done. But, you know, if the departments don't buy into that and the universities don't buy into it, then everybody else, then you won't have that. And this, again, is about unionism. You know, you're not smart, uh, you know, because you're brought up Catholic. You're not smart or stupid if you're brought up pro. It's the chances that you were getting. Now, I have no criticism, you know, uh, of um, the at the time because what they did was they created a state within the state made sure that their first child got to university and therefore then had a better power you know in that society and that's what they did like so from that point of view like you know, I'm not making this up we know um you know we've seen the movement uh, from Davis up the Andy time And then we've seen the movement across the Balmoral Avenue. And at one stage it was called, um, you know, uh, Royal Balmoral. And most of the people who lived in it were nationalists. You know, and I'm not knocking that. They they did the right thing. They protected themselves because they seen themselves as a state within a state. And they got on with it. The problem was that the unionists, you know, this so-called unionist government was a partisan state for partisan people have didn't for us. No, Most and Billy,
1: I think I think what you're, you're, the period you're talking about there is covered in the book, The Rape and Plunder of the Shankle. Um, and, and it shows how they were going to make the business park at the bottom of the Shankle, which was basically a lorry park, really. And they were going to demolish all those houses and move those families out to the likes of Rathcool and Craig Avon and so forth. But they were up in the heart of the community. And what, and what yeah. you said there, what they left behind were ghettos. And then they replaced it with the Weedabix flats. I
2: remember at the bottom. Yeah, they had to pull them down because they were slipping. Yeah. It's
1: just if anybody wants to go out and get the book, go ahead. It's about twenty quid at the middle of the Amazon, and it's it's a hard read, but it's a necessary read if you want to watch how how the people of the Shankle were let down by Unionist governments. So people telling us that all Unionists were rich is wrong. Maybe all the rich people were Unionists, but it certainly wasn't us in the Shankle. And this no. book sort of highlights that.
2: But Tom, the, the thing about it odd that is, that written plunder uh, told the story but save the shangle, save the shangle.
1: yeah, and, and,
2: them, and them, them people, men and women from the shackle who did that, you know, the shangle would have been gone even worse, it would have been worse than it was Yeah,
1: and it, it was a hell of a campaign, I mean the, the, the research that i have done on it with uh, Jackie Redpath and co, and, and again, from bottom up Billy, not from the top down, from the bottom up, again, that's what I'm saying, gonna, yeah, yeah, they recognised
2: what was going wrong and they wanted to put it right. And, you know, they argued, they got academics in the work with them. There's no doubt about that. You know, um, they did all of that, but that's what you do. And, you if, and if you
1: fast forward, Billy, then a couple of decades, and we've now got the Build Shankle form going because of the amount of derelict areas within the Shankle Road area. We're crying out for social housing to be built on to help our families and communities stay together. And yet... We're continuously seeing the underdevelopment of the shangle. I mean, no other area in Belfast is like that. How how can that still be the case?
2: Well, I mean, the case is that, as I've said, there's no um, there's no witness. The Stavathall leases they, uses, they uh, can't get people put in the properties because they don't have any. But what they want to do is put them in the private rental, and now they don't have any private rental properties to put these people into. And they send them to uh, the hostels and stuff like again. So um, it's all wrong, and they need to sort it out. If there's no houses to put the people in through who are going to them, then there's something drastically wrong. And that's the issue, like, drastically wrong. You can't tell me, um you know, there isn't people on the waiting list, on the shankle, or there isn't people... There's people not on the waiting list that should be on the maintenance because they're saying oh, there's plenty of accommodation but they can't put anybody in the house. So they can't put anybody in the house they obviously have no houses to put them into. So why is maintenance, not list, You know, and like if, if you look at some of the streets in the shackle, you know, they need to be tore down started again. You know, and uh, same in other places on the shackle as well, but they're not going to do it. Uh, I think it's you know, we do have a problem about getting people to register for houses. I think that, you know, that's what we need to really be doing. Uh, and people need to understand and, you know, get down and register for a house.
0: I am just thinking, you know, if we go back to twenty twenty one, Billy, around the time of the trouble at Lanark Way, there was a lot of talk and we're, you know, just thinking about the Shankle and, you know, sort of myself and Sam were talking at the weekend about how There's that um, legacy of maybe hopelessness that's pervaded the community from that lack of um, proper development and investment in in the area, which goes back to the rape and plunder. Back in 2021, you you had that wee period where young people came out and rioted at Lanark Way. And there was a whole sort of narrative began to evolve around that, particularly in the English and British media, about how the troubles were coming back and how this was a new wave of loyalist paramilitaries and this, that and the other. You cautioned against that, and I think it's been proven to be correct that, you know, this wasn't a, a new sort of wave of, of young young militants, as it were. Do you, but do you still fear the possibility of young loyalists being radicalised by the political climate? And do you, I mean, I know the circumstances were very different when you were a teenager, but do you, do you think you were radicalised in a way as well?
2: Well, look, I mean, talking about the present day, um, you know, we've got a peace process, we've got a political process, we need to make it work. It doesn't work, it needs to be reviewed, all that. But the people who are elected seem to think, no, it's a bad idea. I mean, you know, would you get into your car every morning when you know the brakes don't work? Or would you take it and get it fixed? That's all we're asking people to do. Now, you may, never, you may not be able to fix it, because a mechanic might say to him, you know what, this is too far going. You need to start all over again. It's the same in the assembly. I'm not saying we need to get rid of the assembly, but all I'm saying is that we were supposed to have a review after 18 months. You know, it was set up in 1998. I was there. And it hasn't been reviewed. The British now Irish government are their bed number backwards not to allow that to happen. For what reason, I don't know. You know, but my view is not asking people they, uh, turn the whole thing up and just say, review it. Why does it not work? You know, uh, the difficulty is that there were changes to St. Andrews, which doesn't allow it to work because it was set up for the two largest parties, the Grave and that let everybody else have any. Now, that was wrong. You know, we had a cross community vote that was needed. You know, oh, any of those things, you know, have set us into, you know, uh, we're going to pull out, or we're going to stay in. You know what I mean? And it doesn't work. I mean, I think you just need to look at how you actually make this work. I mean, I think I always use the example of in the eighties. They always had a hung parliament, for similar reasons, not the same reasons, but for similar reasons. You know, they couldn't we couldn't actually get a government because the people who were voting weren't voting them you know, one party above everybody else. It was more of an equal vote. So they can't get the home parliament. You know, and uh, you know, so it's about how do we do it? You know, it's important that we have um, a political system that works because that means young people will not have to get involved. If young people have to get involved now, in it's about arguing about having to live in poverty or whatever. But it shouldn't be about whether people go back to war or not. So I don't think it's foreign want that to happen either. Um, what you difficulty is, you know, that we need to actually make sure it doesn't happen. And the only way we we'll do that is to make sure the political process works and so is the peace process. Now, I said this back uh, in the early 90s, about 94, 95, and I said, look, the only way we sort this out is when the political process and the peace process actually converge. And that never happened. Uh, and it hasn't happened. And, you know, like, Blair was responsible for that. You know, because Blair gave all sorts of promises to different people, and particularly Republicans. And he said, Blair said, you know, custom house swear i look after Republicans and the Chief Constable look after loyalists. What was that about? What did he mean by that? Did he mean he was going to criminalise loyalists? Because that's what he's tried to do. He didn't try. He's done it. And the difficulty of that is, you know, not all of that needs to be changed. Because that's not loyalism, you know what I mean? So from that point of view, you know, if we look at what has happened and how we change it, and if the main political parties can actually see that that needs to change, you know, then they need to work on a way of doing And, um, you know, so from that point of view, I look around me and I see it, you know, the good work is going on. It's going on in the Republican communities, and it's going on uh, and modest communities, and not everybody who's involved in that work is paramilitary. You know what I mean? There's people who, um, went to university and never had anything to do with the troubles, and you know, they're working hard to make sure, and others are working with them. Um, you know, this is not the society when I was a child growing up in, it's a totally different society. I mean, you know, people talking about discrimination. And talking about, you know, 300 years, you know, of discrimination or whatever they call it. Like, you know, I mean, i past out that now. I mean, you know, there's nobody here now, This day, There's nobody here that I know of was here 300 years ago. I don't know anybody that would see through 300 years of discrimination. I mean, Billy, you know...
1: For, Billy, Billy, if I can take you back a bit to what you were saying there at the beginning of this about... Um the review. I mean, I've talked to people who have brought this review up, and I've always said the same thing. That when we when we spoke about the Good Friday Belfast Agreement at that point, it was always meant to evolve. It was always a foundation to build from. It was about silencing the guns, stopping the bloodshed, and putting the training wheels on our political process until we were mature enough to, to act like proper adults around a table and, and get down the real politics. And we we don't do that. We really have failed at that bit. But I think what you're saying about the review needs to be implemented and maybe something along the lines of the Citizens' Assembly needs to come back to do that, to maybe hold them to a point.
2: Well, the difficulty is that the Citizens' Assembly has gone and they don't want it. The larger parties don't want it. it's a threat. You know, but the whole point about that was they were a touchstone, you know, and you know, so what, you know, it was about rolling things past them and seeing what they thought and all that sort of stuff. And I'm sure that some of the partners do it with academics now, you know, at Queen's or University of University now, it's called. You know, all of those things will be going on because you do need people to come in and check these things out, but not everybody's happy with it. You know, they don't like um, people coming in and telling them what to do because they already know how to do it wrong, so I'd want to bring somebody in to tell them how to do it. And it's that difficulty, but no, this society has got an opportunity. Uh, and if it doesn't grasp two hands, then it's going to be totally divided. Um, and it will be, everybody will be waiting for a border toll. And repeat it will be repeated and repeated and repeated until, you know, it just doesn't work in terms of, you know, all it does is, you know, I suppose in any way, isolate one side of the community, because it will, no matter what happens in this society, you know, <clears throat> there's going to be a large minority. And that's the problem. It doesn't matter. And it's how you actually prepare the society They accept that at any particular time. Um, you know, so from that point of view, if they are not working on that now, then what they're gonna do is the revolution will come about and that'll be it. You know. Um, but it all needs to be done in the firm way, um, <clears throat> you know. They uh so it's about how we do this, but you know, there's a lot of stuff that needs to be done and if we don't do it now um, then we're going to sleepwalk into a disaster again and we will be asking younger generations, whether it's Republican or loyalists, to make up our name what to do.
0: Billy, one thing I'd like to ask just to maybe bring, bring the conversation to a conclusion, but I think it's a really important um, topic to address and I think it's something you can add a lot of value to. Um, we're Hearing a lot about legacy at the moment, and truth recovery, and and all the different mechanisms for information retrieval, and and those sort of things. Obviously, there's been a big backlash against um the the bill that's gone through. What 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 are your feelings as a ex ex um UVF member? Of- well, look,
2: my 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 feelings about the legislation you're talking about is yeah. You know, everybody's just gone come, come saying to me, you know. Uh, but do you go to Dublin, and say you wouldn't start here. This is what they do all the time. They come out with all this nonsense that's going to them about people, and what they do is that they get it wrong. I mean, you know, from my point of view, I said this to the community worker the day, why do we have to talk about paramilitaries instead of communities? And paramilitaries are in that community? Community workers are in that community? Uh, or many people are in that community? And that's what we should be talking about. And how do we resolve those issues, whatever those issues are? But we continually put a tag in people. And then what happens is, this is who we're going after. Ryan actually said, how do we do this? You know, what is it we need to do? And if the community works together, then other people become irrelevant. And that's, that's how it's done. Um, but British government got the mad opinion, the stuff it's going through now we get the support, I don't think. And you know, I think it's stuff that they did a number of years ago, I warned them that it wouldn't work like that. Do not divide the community. Because then people are competing for resources. And, you know, as it. People have said this at me or I'm just going, be for real, like are you listening to this nonsense? You know, um, from my point of view, you know, um, this, this society needs to change, and, you know, poor and or are power and But, you know, we need to be getting information from the police. I mean, from what I can see, and I see us everywhere, in Republican on the loyalist communities, seems to be at like the police, and these people work well together. If that's ever such a thing as working well together. But what I mean is, like, they work together, uh to do certain things like make sure um that things that are happening in those communities can happen without antagonizing in our community. You know, all that goes on. Like you know, the biggest mistake I think that was made and we opposed it was having political reps on the policing board. It doesn't work. We've seen people who were jumping on non-drovers and people who were using book to take off <laughs> but if their car was closed, you can't do that. Like, I know, you can't do it. If you park in the wrong place, you get a, a seat, a, a, sorry, you get a fine and you pay it. You know, like, you can't, you know, it's, it's, it doesn't work like that. Like, I mean, you broke the you, 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 you rules, you didn't. You know, there's no such thing as being slightly pregnant. The other did it, you didn't. You know, and that's the problem with all of this. Like, do people think that they want to be in a privileged position that they can get away with? this? Because they were the first people to complain about when the unions had it. you know, had it. so from my point of view, we really need to work on how we get the parliamentaries to move where they need to move to. We only do that by working with them and trying to help them. That's has done. Now I don't know where they are with that position. Don't know, but what I'm saying to you is, you know. We need to help people to move on uh, and stop seeing this as, oh, they're getting this and they're getting that. If, it, if it's a better world, then that's okay. You know, but there's lots of people out there who can't be, won't even do stuff like come out and do stories or whatever. Um, because as soon as they do it, they put their head above the part Somebody wants to take it off. You know, Sunday World, Sunday Life, you know, running stories. Like, the nonsense then people write. You know, I've said this before, like, you know, uh, there's one bit of truth in those papers every Sunday. It's a date. That's only truth to tell it. The rest is all made up. And I don't know why these people want to be that type of journalist. Why do they not want to go and find good stories? And yes, if there's a bad story, then why do we just do it right? And, you know, have the evidence and give the evidence to police. Ran actually writing stories about people, giving them animal names and having them killed. You know, it doesn't make sense to me that papers should do that. And you know, the most horrific one I ever seen was when the man hung himself on the bridge uh, on the bypass in the Banger. And one particular Sunday paper had the photo of the man hanging there. Good God, like, what, what, what does that say to his there, or whatever? I'm sure if I if it had somebody belonging to me, Certainly, one of the ones to the same hanging from Merlick. But anyway, so we need to change things. In terms of the legacy stuff, um, I would be concerned about it if it wasn't done properly. And the reason for that is that if it wasn't, um, you know, I suppose corporate responsibility rather than individual responsibility, so the organisations we will have to appoint somebody, and they will do whatever they need to do and bring out information, and that would remain private. But I can't see that in this country. It's such a small country. Everybody knows, and everybody will get the information. And once that person's name out there, then they're bait. So it's about how you do it. And just from my point of view, I think that <coughs> the power need to take corporate responsibility. And if they want to do that, then they form some sort of process and do it. But, you know, I'd be concerned that, you know, people get up in their droves and start talking about this. I just think it would just destroy it. All you're doing is making more enemies in terms of, you know, doing that. So I think it has to be sort of done in a very sort of, you know, um discreet way rather than actually just, you know, somebody coming up and saying, my name's, you know, John Jones, and I'm going to tell you as a UVF man, I was involved in this, or it was UVF killed it, I'm telling you now, I was an UVF and that's what happened. It needs to be, be, obviously information needs to be given a word, but it needs to be done in a more discreet way. Otherwise, (coughs) it's just sad and fall apart.
1: Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. Well, Blake, we've taken up a lot of your time tonight I want to thank you for coming along and, and chatting to us. It's been insightful as usual, so... Thank you very much.
0: Absolutely. Thank Thank you, you. Dolly. Thanks for taking the time.